Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. Welcome to the chapel. This feels kind of cool, right? Uh, my name is Mary Alice Bergwistle, and I am one of the ministers here at Calvary. And if you are new to Calvary, we want to say welcome. If you've been away for the semester and are back, we want to give you a big welcome. If you've been here every day this fall, we want to say welcome. We are glad that everyone is here. Um, you will probably realize that this is not the space where we normally worship on Sunday mornings. Um, but due to some continued heater complications in our sanctuary, we are in our beautiful chapel today. Uh, this actually happens to be the original sanctuary at Calvary, over 100 years old. If you are looking for a spot, we, we encourage you. There are lots of empty chairs in the front where we would love to have you. Also, if you were on a pew, if you could scoot in to make room on the edges so that anybody who sneaks in over the next few minutes just has an easy space to get to. As we begin today, we do have a brief matter of business to address, and that is voting on our 2017 budget. And so many different ministry teams and leaders have worked together for several months to plan and to prepare this budget. We had a church-wide discussion about it two weeks ago right here in this room. And so I would like to call up Joel Weaver to move us into a short business session to move us forward. And I've been told we don't want to move this mic. So I'm passing that message along. Well, I am not going to call us into business session because technically we are still in business session from our meeting on December 4th. So if over the last couple of weeks you felt yourself inexplicably nodding off or feeling drowsy, the good news is you are not uh, contracting narcolepsy. It's just we've been in business session for two entire weeks. And so we will bring this mercifully to a close by calling David Norris. And it is my privilege to bring forward the recommendation that was postponed at the called business meeting of December the 4th, 2016, that without discussion, Calvary Baptist Church adopt the 2017 ministry action budget of $626,019. And because this comes from a committee, it does not require a second, so we'll simply vote. All in favor of accepting this year's ministry action plan, indicate by an uplifted right hand. All right, all opposed by the same sign, and it does pass. All right, so now we have concluded, after two weeks, our business session. <laughs> I thought I was tired because of everything that's been going on. I had no idea that the reason I've been so tired is because we've been in budget, in business session. So thanks for that reminder. Um, a quick announcement this morning. Today is the last Sunday of the Love Your Youth collection that the youth ministry is doing in the Christmas tree outside. And all of the money they are raising goes toward their mission trip to New Orleans next year, which they're really excited about. So thank you so much for partnering with them in such a generous way. So I'll be honest, I was pretty disappointed this week when I realized that we were going to need to move worship into the chapel today. And our sanctuary is so gorgeous right now. So many people have worked so hard to prepare such a beautiful space for us to worship together this Advent season. But then I remembered that Jesus wasn't born in such a beautiful space, was he? And it was probably pretty crowded 
with lots of different animals and shepherds and people. And that is the story that we find ourselves entering into this week as we approach Christmas. I love what my Advent devotional had to say about Jesus' birth story this week. And I'd like to share some of it with you as we begin worship together today. And the book is called All I Really Want, Readings for a Modern Christmas by Quinn Caldwell. He says, if you came to this place expecting a tame story, you came to the wrong place. If you came for a story that does not threaten you, you came for a different story than the one we tell. For even a regular baby is not a tame thing. And goodness knows, and goodness that cannot threaten complacency and evil is not much good at all. But if you came because you think that the kind of people who work a third shift doing the stuff you'd rather not do might attract an angel's attention before you snoring comfortably in your bed, if you came because you think that there are wise men and women to be found among undocumented travelers from faraway lands, and that they might be able to show you God. If you came to hear a story of tyrants trembling while heaven comes to peasants. If you came for a story of reversals that might just end up reversing you. If you came to be reminded that God loves you too much to leave you unchanged. If you came to follow the light, even if it blinds you. If you came for salvation and not safety, then, ah, my friends, you are precisely in the right place. Friends, as we worship together this morning, know that we too are in precisely the right place. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. As we join in this Advent worship, let's all take our worship folder today, and we're going to sing Prepare the Way of the Lord. Let's sing it from the beginning. Here we go. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And all people will see the salvation of our God. I'll sing it for you one time, and then you can sing it the next time. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And all people will see the salvation of our your turn now. Prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And all people will see the salvation of our God. Now this one more time with energy. Ready and go. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's it. Prepare the way of the Lord. And all people will see the salvation of our God. Now, we've gone through the whole Advent season without singing around, so here we are today. All right, group one, group two, group three. All right, and you have some leaders in the back who will kind of help you along. If you need seating, there's plenty on the front, okay? Here we go, ready and go. Prepare the way of the Lord.
let all mortal flesh keep silence.
Let us pray. Oh God, we continue our Advent journey this morning. A week closer to the fulfillment of the promise of the birth of your Son. Oh God, we gather with Christmas morning on the horizon. Knowing this spiritual journey of waiting comes to fruition with the gift of the birth of your Son. But God, today we pray for so many others on so many other journeys that are far from over. We wait with children of color denied opportunity in our white world. Immigrant families seeking safety and sanctuary. Gay and lesbian sisters and brothers, transgender sons and daughters, seeking a place to call home. And refugees, the people of Aleppo, Syria, crying out, God be with us. God come to us. God, give us hope while we wait. Amen.
children to join me in the front for the children's message. stories about people who have followed God down many different roads. Mary and Joseph followed the road to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. In those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made for everyone in the whole Roman world. Everyone went to their own town to be listed. So Joseph went to, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, to Judea. That is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there, there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. Mary was engaged to him. She was, she was expecting a baby. While Mary and Joseph were there, the time came for the child to be born. She gave birth to her first baby. baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in cloth, then she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room where, she, where they could stay. Can you imagine not having room for Jesus? It might it might sound crazy to us, but I wonder if sometimes we don't make room for Jesus even. We let other things distract us from what Christmas is all about. How can we make room for Jesus in our world and in our lives? As the candles around our Advent wreath remind us, how can we make room for God's love, for joy, for peace, for hope? Just as God's love was born in a stable so many years ago, God, God's love continues to be born in us today. Today, we, we light the candle of love, and we remember that the greatest gift we can give and receive this Christmas is the gift of God's love.
pray with me. God of love, help us to understand how wide and long and high and deep your love is. It is the greatest gift of all. Amen. reading from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she, found, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Jesus awoke, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
this moment and this time of worship and we pray that you would speak to us. You do desire truth in our inward being. So teach us now wisdom in the secret heart. Through Christ we pray. Amen. So I have a question for you. What do you think about the virgin birth? Have you ever been asked that before? What do you think about it? Maybe you've answered that question along the way. What do you think? There's been a lot of thinking about the virgin birth. Some have asked that question and answered it in a why sort of way. Why a virgin birth? Why is that important? There's been a lot of thinking and a good bit of discussing and fighting through the centuries about it. Interesting stuff like the virginity of Mary points to the origins of Jesus beyond space and time. His source is beyond history, though he is within history, begotten beyond and within time, they like to say. It's good stuff. Or how about this one? The virginity of Mary underlines the fact that this is not a new being. Christ is the Logos, the eternal word, this one who was with God in the beginning, by and whom for all things were made, now takes on a human mode of existence. It really gets you in the Christmas spirit when you hear these sort of things, right? No? Okay, well, maybe if we put it in a Christmas carol, it would help. <clears throat> Let me see if I can do this. Away in a manger, now in space and time, the pre-existent logos, an incarnate sign, Second person of the Trinity is virginally here. Imminent, transcendent, it's all very clear. How about that? <laughs> See, I, I don't think we're going to hear that one on Adele's new Christmas album. Uh, though the thinking can be very, very important. Good thinking doesn't always sing so well. That's some of the why thinking that has surrounded the virgin birth. But there's also been how thinking, right? Someone's maybe said that to you along the way. One of, maybe one of your more cynical friends has said, how can this be? I mean, that, that's really what Mary asked, right? How can this be? It's a question that's been asked along the way. People have said, don't you need 46 chromosomes? It's not possible, is it? You wouldn't believe your fiancé or your 14-year-old daughter if she explained her pregnancy that way. How can this be? And lots of folks out there, and maybe in here, smitten by modernity and captive to rationalism, have asked that and have come to the conclusion along the way, well, it, it just couldn't be. I remember walking once with a dear friend of mine who was really wrestling with some of this stuff, and he got so frustrated with me, he just literally yelled at the top of his lungs, how? Tell me how? That's the how thinking that people deal with sometimes. And the church has responded to this question, this very rationalistic question with some more rationalistic thinking. It makes no sense, some have said, to, be, to believe in ultimate meaning, to believe in the divine and not believe in a divine that can intervene. How can you believe in a creator who can't create? That's the sort of how answers given to the how questions. Their questions and responses to them also don't make for very good carols, but let me try it again. <clears throat> Away in a manger with virginity, 
drunk with Sir Isaac Newtonian tea. Why can't you just sleep beyond cause and effect? You trust in cognition, your reasons suspect. <laughs> I'm going to send that to Adele and just see <laughs> if, she'll, if she'll put it on her album. So some of the thinking has been doctrinal, right? And some of it just rational. Some of it along the way, as you read, is really more mystical. The virginity of Mary becomes a picture of something, of what humanity is and what humanity can be. We can all be God-bearers. So there's a necessary, they would say, emptiness in Mary. This point of purity and nothingness, an opening for God. And Mary can do nothing to bring about this life within her. It's a miracle of grace and incarnation, and it cannot be manufactured or manipulated or controlled. This divine initiative comes to her. It comes to her, but not from outside of her. It comes from the deepest center, the core of her being. So listen to a mystic, Thomas Merton, along the way. At the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which is untouched by sin and illusion, a point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God. This little point of nothingness and of absolute poverty is the pure glory of God written in us as our poverty. He calls this place the Point Verge. French, I think, for virgin point. What someone has referred to as the last irreducible secret center of the heart where God alone penetrates. So the mystics, they would say the Virgin Mary story is and can be our story. God comes to us in our innermost being. God flows to us and through us. And a long stream of folks will tell us that it really begins there in our poverty, in our own nothingness where we have no claim. And it's all mercy. God's very being living in us, incarnate through us. Let's, let's think about how this might sound on Adele's new album. Away in a manger, so far deep within, Emmanuel is dwelling divinely therein. And from that pure center, a life will be grown, revealing God's glory in fullness now shown. Well, it's getting a little better, but still not something you're probably going to curl up by the fire with. And that's the problem with thinking, right? Thinking is never enough for this kind of no. It's important to do. Love God with all of our mind. And it's helpful and necessary in, in so much of our life. But probably not what the story of Christmas really wants from you. You can theologize, theologize, <clears throat> excuse me, theologize about the virgin birth. That's fine and good. You can argue with it even some if you're prone to do that. Express yourself. Work on its spiritual significance. Go for it. Ponder it in your heart. Mary did. But in the end, come Christmas Eve. Come Christmas Eve, just hear the story. And let it shut down that thinking a bit, that dualistic mind of yours that really can't hold a miracle. you got to get out of your head 
You gotta stop it, turn it off, and you gotta let this story, this miracle, have its way with you. This is how it happened a long time ago after God had been working through all sorts of people. Spirit of God moved again in a young woman. She was pregnant because of that. Her fiance was upset, but he was also a good man and he didn't want to embarrass her. So he's planning just to go down to the courthouse and have the legal arrangement ended nice and quiet. One night he had a dream. And in the dream, an angel told him not to be afraid and not to change his plans. This baby is a result of God's spirit breaking in upon his fiancée. She'll have a son. You're to name him the one who saves because he is going to save people from their sins. And he woke up. And he did just as the angel told him. His wife gave birth to a son and they named the boy Jesus. It doesn't really want your analysis. It, it doesn't want you to scrunch up your forehead and, and say how or why or what does it mean. It wants you to smile in wonder and say, wow. Wow, how about that? Walter Brueggemann said, our business is not to explain this text. Our business is to be dazzled at Christmas time. That something is happening that is beyond us in our calculations. This is a baby and a wonder and a gift that is designed to move us beyond ourselves. I think maybe amazement, the capacity to be amazed really is necessary for the gospel to work in our lives. It's necessary for our salvation, and I don't mean by that getting into the big house someday. I mean by that, as Brueggemann was saying, being moved beyond yourself. Because as someone has said, a heart turned down upon itself is deadly. If you aren't being wowed, amazed by God and God's world, and God's story, then maybe there is a problem. Christmas is gift to us, a way of getting beyond our heads and all the navel-gazing we do all the time about ourselves. Getting you past all of your need to know and explain, which is sort of a sophisticated way for us all to be in control of things, isn't it? Or at least make believe that we are. Christmas takes us beyond ourselves. Christmas calls us simply to be present to something greater and then let what is greater have its way with us. Nothing in this story is under our control. And it's wild from the very beginning in all the Gospels. It's, it's crazy and beyond us. The New Testament story puts this story of Mary's virginity right on the first page. Right? It's like this line of control that's going to be drawn in the sand of impossibility right off the bat for us as if to say, we're inviting you into something incredible. This is on page one. Something incredible. So just go ahead and drop your jaw and say wonder. And in wonder say well. Or not. You can pick it apart. And live your life within the limits of your own mind and your own capacities. 
You can find some theories and theologies that will whittle the mystery out of your life. You want to stay inside yourself, but you can't. Not if you're going to be saved. Not if you're going to get beyond yourself. You're going to have to let yourself be astonished. Live an astonished life. As one imaginative poet put it, keep walking. Don't try to see through the distances. It's not for human beings. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument instead. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Kiss the ground this Christmas. Don't be afraid to take Mary. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So get out of your head. It's dazzling, isn't it? God is in a baby. It's astonishing. And it makes for a great carol. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. The stars in the souls into your keeping and our lives into something that is beyond us. Forgive us for all the ways we make your great truth and mystery so small so we can hold it tight. We let go again in these days. Amen. As we sing our hymn of response, I invite you to stand and sing with our musicians. Our ministers will be available in the back, as always. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord.
Today you might notice that our communion table is in a bit of a different place than it normally is. Actually, it was kind of a logistical thing because uh, if you put it up there, things would slide off. Uh, there's a little, uh, so we moved it way down here. But as we were moving it down here, Jim and I were talking about how fitting it is really to have the communion table right here among us and to have this uh, communion table very accessible just right in the middle of us. So today, uh, this provides a bit of a different setup for us. This Advent season, as we have again been making our yearly trek to Bethlehem, we've stopped often to consider just what it means to be on a journey. Each week, we've sung songs that have reminded us of this journey. Make way, make way. Last week, the choir sang the classic Robert uh, Frost text, The Road Not Taken. And I know you've enjoyed the bright and colorful mural with its many winding roads just as much as I. If you've not seen it, it's right out here. So pause in the cold for a moment and, and take a quick look at it. Well, I've been fully behind the way we colored this amazingly beautiful mural, and I've enjoyed coloring a sizable portion of it myself. I couldn't help but wonder if it might have been a more accurate depiction of our world to have colored it in browns, grays, blacks, and other muted colors. Been thinking about that a lot this Advent season. As I think about this year and the struggles and the pain that I see all around us, I can't help but wonder. While a number of Advent and Christmas carols have something in them about a journey, there's a carol that stuck with me now for a number of years and it's a stanza of It Came Upon the Midnight Clear. It says, O ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. O rest beside the weary load and hear the angels sing. So where does this table today and the color of our Advent mural and all of this merge? What does it mean for us? Today we've come to this table and we are traveling from many different places in our lives. For some of us here, we're perhaps celebrating a first Christmas with a new baby, a new spouse, or an engagement. Yet for others of us, we have newly dis a newly discovered illness or the burden of caring for parents or an ailing spouse, something that is far too difficult to carry alone. While some of us can leap for joy as we come forward to this table today, for others of us, the baggage that we carry makes each step painful and slow. Yet God meets us here and the journey to this table is a good and important one. Whether the Advent mural in your mind is vibrant or muted, Christ does meet us at this table. We can be sure of it. You don't need to be a member of Calvary to participate in this meal. If you profess your faith in Christ, you're welcome here today. There are several locations around the room. There will be two stations in the front, one over here and one in this section over here. Uh, Today there will be one station back in the area, back there, and then there will be a gluten-free station um, by the Christmas tree. And I'm saying all that clearly so that we're sure we actually have the setup in the right places. Um, 
Uh, there will not be a lot of rhyme or reason to how we um, come to the table, so come to stations as you're able and just take your time and we will make it all work in this um, crowded and different space today. We will be dipping the bread in the cup. Children who have not yet made a profession of faith, if you'll come to the platform uh, and receive a blessing, some will, will be here to meet you. If you'd like to receive communion in your seat, just lift your hand and someone will come to you. There will be nobody rushing you today, so take your time as you need to. So today, as we come to this table again, to know Christ in this meal, to remember again how the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had broken it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, let us now come to the table.
She is coming today with a profession of faith and a desire to follow Christ in baptism. Sophia is a sixth grader at River Valley, and some of her favorite things to do are taking pictures and playing her guitar. She's joined up here with her parents, Abby and Kevin. <coughs> Sophia, at this time, your church family would like to say a few words to you. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. And we hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. Amen. Since our welcome center is a bit cold this morning, I'm going to ask Sophie and her family to be right here to be greeted and to celebrate with you all. Let's invite the choir to come on and gather in place now. Brothers and sisters, as you treasure these things, as you ponder them in your heart, God, who by the power at work within each one of us is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine, God be the glory in Christ Jesus and in this church and in each one of us. Hallelujah. Oh, God. 
Go now in peace. <laughs>